Hi, this is for the Love of Film podcast. I'm your host, the host, a host, I guess the host, Scott David Chase. Uh, on this episode, I'm going to talk about uh, Disney's A Wrinkle in Time, uh, Gringo, and Thoroughbreds. Excuse me. Um, I saw them in the reverse order. I'm going to talk talk about them. I I, I kind of decided last week, and I'm, I think I'm going to go forward with it, if I have wild, wildly different feelings about the movies that I saw each week, I'm going to start with the ones I like the least and lead up to the ones I like best so I can kind of finish on a positive note. Um, so having said that, I will talk about uh, Disney's uh, uh, huge misstep and their take on Madeline Langle's classic, uh, A Wrinkle in Time. Uh, I saw it or saw an hour of it today. Uh, I actually walked out of the film, something I do very, very rarely. Um, I saw it in a theater in Portsmouth, a huge screen, um, the Cinemagic in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Uh, several of their theaters have enormous screens. It was on one of the bigger ones. Um, you know, I saw a matinee today. There was, I believe, five other people in the theater. But um, I actually left... I, I mean, I wasn't enjoying the film at all, but it was actually sort of sensory overload. There's a scene, um, I'm assuming based on the running time of the movie, just around, j- just past the midway point where there's a, a huge storm-like thing tearing up the terrain that two of the children are in and... You know, it's pretty loud and abrasive, and it was just... I wasn't enjoying the movie anyways, but it was actually making me uh, physically somewhat nauseous. So I said, you know what? I've I've sat through enough of this uh, based on the tone and the acting and just everything in it. Uh, um, I know where this is, how this is, the rest of this is going to go, and I don't need to do this. Um so I got up and left. Um, I have certainly seen my fair share of mediocre to bad films in the theater, and very rarely do I walk out. Um, but this, I mean, I, I went into the movie not excited about it. Um, I was a fan of Madeline Langle's uh, book as a child, and um, you know there was a there was a Canadian miniseries or TV movie, one of the two. Uh, 2004 I believe uh, that was decent I mean it was low budget but I mean low budget doesn't really bother me especially because this had um, I believe the budget for this this Disney version was a hundred million but uh, with all the marketing that they're doing um, worldwide I read that it needs to make 400 million just to break even and uh, it, it, I think it did 38 million this weekend, which is what they projected to make. But um, you know, it was interesting. After I left, I went to a um, I went to Bull Moose Music, which is a record store in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and talked to some people. And I was talking to a couple of the employees who I'm friendly with about it. And um, you know, it was just. The tone and the spirit of the book was just completely lost. Uh, the only part of the film I really enjoyed was, uh, you know, the flashbacks with um, with the parents. Uh, with specifically, uh, you know, Chris Pine played uh, Dr. Alex Murray and uh, Guju 
Mabatha Raw, uh, played his wife, Kate Murray. Um, I, I don't know if I said her name correctly. I, I'd never seen the actress before. She's been in, uh, let's see, she's been in a few other things. I guess she's been in Black Mirror and, uh, in a, she was in Disney's live action version of Beauty and the Beast as well. Um, they had real chemistry and they were, um, you know, it, it, Chris Pine was very warm and believable as a scientist, uh, who his children are looking for. Um, but every time he wasn't on screen, which was most of the movie, I was like, oh, I wish that there was another scene with Chris Pine coming up soon. Uh, which I'm not a huge, I, I, I don't dislike Chris Pine, but I'm not a huge Chris Pine fan. So, um, he surprised me, uh, in that, uh, he was the, the part of the film I enjoyed the most. Um, the two biggest things that I, you know, going into it, I'm not, I'm not a fan of Mindy, Mindy Cowling at all. Uh, she was on The Office and, uh, she had her own show, The Mindy Project. I don't, I don't find her funny or even bearable myself, but and she has a fairly, she's a big role in this. And it's also kind of a grading role anyways, where, uh, her, her character can't speak for herself. So she can only repeat the words of others. So she throws quotes out and then always gives credit to who said them, um, which gets real annoying. Um, Again, I don't remember that from the book specifically, but it's been, you know, easily, you know, probably 30 years since I've read it. So, um, but, and also Oprah Winfrey, who is also, uh, I believe one of the producers. Um, let's see. No, I guess she wasn't. Um, but she had worked with, uh, the director Ava DuVernay on her previous film, Selma. Um, Oprah Winfrey is a huge presence both physically and you know just personality wise in this film um a lot of the film she's you know looks to be about 100 feet tall and uh you know the cg in this movie is just real troublesome it just it looks like a video game and when the real people are interacting in it and moving around in these fantastical landscapes. It's just not believable. I mean, I think about, you know, growing up watching cinema in the eighties, uh, with movies like legend and, um, the never ending story, you know, there was stuff done with sets and with miniatures and, um, there was something about just a tactile reality is always going to be for for me at least as a film goer always going to be better than computer generated images and I I feel like it's super lazy to do so much CG. Um, Reese Witherspoon is also uh, a fairly, in my opinion, a fairly unlikable performance, and I like Reese Witherspoon. Uh, and then the, the other thing that really just annoyed me is the, the two of the child actors, uh, Derek McCabe and Levi Miller, just super precocious and wide eyed. And, um, yes, they're kids and, uh, there's a, there should be an element of that in this, but, uh, you know, Storm Reed who plays the lead Meg Murray, um, she did a fine job. Uh, but these kids were just over the top and it was just, it was cloying and unbearable. 
Um, I just, I, uh, I was going back and forth in my head while I was watching it, uh, saying, okay, am I being too hard on this? It is a family movie. It is something that, you know, I'm not the target audience. So am I being ridiculous being this put off by it? But then I remembered that Disney and Pixar put out Coco last year, which is a beautiful family film. But as a single 42-year-old man, I was touched by it and I was completely enraptured by the story and didn't feel pandered to at all. So I was like, no, it's a bad movie. Wrinkle in Time is a bad movie. Um, you know, it's just the script needs a lot of needs a lot of work. It's just it, it was a mess. Uh, I would not recommend it. I would give it, you know, three out of ten. If, uh, you know, maybe if it's a rainy afternoon and you've got some kids homesick, maybe you could show it to them. But, you know, your kids deserve better than this movie. And and fans of the book deserve a better film adaptation than this one. So, uh, yeah, I can't recommend it. So the second movie I saw was a film called Gringo, which was uh, directed by Nash Edgerton, who's a uh, Australian stuntman actor and writer director uh he is the brother of joel edgerton um who's a bit more well-known joel edgerton was also in gringo um uh and uh it was uh <clears throat> oftentimes movies are not marketed honestly you know they're they're the audiences are led to believe a film is one thing where tonally it's very different, which I don't understand other than it's the quick grab to try and get people into the movie um, who wouldn't necessarily go and see it if they knew what the film was about, which I think is very short-sighted because, yes, the studios have people's money, but if someone has a miserable time at the movie... Uh, you know, they're not going to recommend it to people. And also, I don't know, I just feel like market it for the audience that the movie was made for. Uh, I mean, I know marketing is, is a tricky thing, but uh, so this was kind of marketed as like a fun slapstick kind of fish out of water film, sort of like, uh, I would say like Romancing the Stone, although the, it doesn't have the romance element in it and it's a much darker film than that is uh the the biggest thing when i saw the previews i wasn't super excited to see it uh the biggest thing was the, the main character played by david Oyelowo, who um most well known probably to american audiences by his portrayal of martin luther king in the film selma which i was just talking about uh uh which i haven't seen but i was familiar with him and i've seen him in a bunch of other stuff uh in in the promotional, you know, in the previews for it, he looks like like this hapless wimp moron. And that's not what the character is at all. And the reason I actually was excited to see it was I heard uh, David Oyelowo on Mark Maron's podcast. And he was talking about kind of his personal history and how uh, because this character was not originally written as uh, being necessarily played by 
a black actor. It was it was not race specific. When he was approached about the role, he put some of his personal history into it. He is he is British, but he is of Nigerian descent, and he plays a Nigerian immigrant in this. And um, you know, someone who really believes in the American dream. Um, the movie is not a great movie. However, I did enjoy it. Um, it, it's, it has a few bits of violence in it, which seem out of place for a lot of the rest of the film, but, uh, that's the type of movie it is. Um, primarily what I enjoyed about it was, uh, the, the protagonist character that, uh, David played, uh, Harold is a, is a character I've never seen on screen before as a, um, as a lead in a movie. I'm sure that there are movies, but it was, um, you know, not marketed as a, as a quote unquote black movie. Um, it's just, just a film made. And, um, honestly, I, you know, movies are primarily marketed towards white middle-class, Americans and oftentimes the protagonist is someone that we can identify with or assume we can identify with. So they're often, you know, white middle class people as well. And I like that, uh, that wasn't the case here and it wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't feel pandered to at all. It was, you know, it was a human, human story and it wasn't, strange or weird it was it was refreshing just to see someone who i hadn't seen before but you know uh as far as seen before in a film like this and uh you know i was along for the ride the whole time um and his his character's <laughs> one of the only relatable characters in it it's um this movie's filled with a bunch of people who double cross people and treat people terribly um you know joel edgerton is in it as i said um Charlize Theron is in it. Tandy Newton, um, Amanda Seyfried, Seyfried. I don't know how to say her last name, but uh, she's a wide-eyed, blonde-haired actress who's been in a lot of stuff. None of which I could really think of off the top of my head, other than I know that she was in. Uh, she, I know she's in the Mamma Mia sequel that's coming out. I think she was in the original as well. Um, I've never seen it, but. Uh, um, she played a pretty relatable character too. And, uh, uh, she, you know, she was delightful in this movie. Um, Charlotte Copley was in it. Um, who's a South African actor who has been in, uh, he was in district nine, probably his most well-known one. Uh, but, uh, um, he plays kind of a mercenary guy in this. Um, uh, and he, he, he was great. In this, um, uh, Harry Treadaway, who, uh, most famous to me, at least played Victor Frankenstein in the, uh, television show, uh, Penny Dreadful, which I really enjoyed the first two seasons and hated the third. Um, uh, he plays a fairly unsympathetic character, uh, but it's, you know, it's kind of a, it's a dark crime-ish, uh, I mean, it was positioned as a comedy, but it's not all that funny. Not that it tried to be and failed. There's just not a whole, I mean, there are, are some humorous elements to it, but it's really not a comedy. It's more a drama adventure than anything else. Um, 
again, not a great movie, but it was better than I expected it to be. And if anyone from promotional, you know, departments for the studios that put it out, um, ever hear this, uh, I, I, the main reason I went in was because, um, David Oyelowo was on Mark Maron's podcast and has been on a couple other podcasts. And so that, that absolutely works having the actors do that. Um, and I think it's much more effective. I've seen more films in the last two years because I've heard either cast members or writers and directors talking about their involvement in the films on a podcast than any actor ever being on a talk show has ever enticed me. So it's certainly worth it. Uh, and, uh, it kind of gives, gives, it has given me insight into why people choose the roles they do and work on the projects they do. So, uh, definitely keep it up. Um, the last film that I saw was a film that I've been seeing the previews for, for probably two months now and was looking forward to seeing it's a film called thoroughbreds. Uh, it, uh, it, it, it played at Sundance festival last January, January, 2017 under the title thoroughbred, no S at the end. And, uh, uh, focus features after they purchased it, they retitled it, um, which actually I think works a little bit better, but it's, uh, um, it's a dark, you know, dark comedy drama by, uh, first time writer, director, Corey Finley. Um, uh, the, the premises is a, uh, teenage girl, you know, uh, a wealthy teenage girl in Connecticut in a, you know, gated community. Uh, uh, she lives with her mother and her stepfather and her stepfather is miserable to her and he hates her. And, uh, she has a friend who, uh, for, for lack of a better term, but really is sort of, uh, accurate is a sociopath. doesn't feel any emotions, any empathy for anyone, but, uh, um, she suggested that she, she killed her stepfather and then they go about plans to make it happen. Um, it has been, I, I've seen a few quips that compare it to Heather's. Um, it's, it's not nearly as broad or as farcical as Heather's. It's fairly realistic. Um, it's, you know, the Olivia Cook and Anya Taylor-Joy uh, are the two girls, and they are both give excellent portrayals, performances in this. Uh, I uh, Olivia Cook looked familiar to me, but then when I looked her up, I've never seen any of the stuff she's been in. Um, she was great in it. Anya Taylor-Joy, I saw her in The Witch uh, two years ago, and then she was in um, uh, uh, Split last year, um, M night Shyamalan's film split, uh, and she gave great performances in both of those. So it's nice to see her working. Uh, but the biggest reason I was excited to see this, I mean, excited's a weird thing. I, I mean, I was looking forward to seeing it, but it's Anton Yelchin's final film. Um, he died in a freak accident, um, a car accident, but he wasn't driving. He was actually, I don't know if you heard about it or not, but he, uh, he got pinned between his car and a wall at his home and died, uh, unfortunately, pretty tragic. He was a very, uh, 
very versatile actor, worked in a lot of independent films, but was also um, in the three J.J. Abrams, you know, relaunched Star Trek films as uh, Chekhov. Um, And, you know, he obviously filmed this a couple years ago, and it's been doing the festival circuit and finally got released now uh, a year and a half after his passing. Um, I was lucky enough to like a year and a half ago, just before he died, got to see green room in the theater, which was uh, a fantastic performance by him. And uh, we saw that. And then between when we saw green room and then the third star Trek film is when he passed away. So I was glad I got to see Green Room, and uh, yeah, he great actor who's tragically no longer with us, but um, gives another really, really interesting performance in this film, and uh, yeah, um, I really, uh, I really enjoyed the, uh, Thoroughbreds a lot. Um, I don't know how well it's going to do. It is sort of a, you know, limited interest. I can't. I would only recommend it to certain friends of mine because it is dark, but, uh, I, I did enjoy it quite a lot. I would give it, uh, I would give it an eight out of 10. I don't know if I gave a rating to Gringo. Um, uh, I would give Gringo her, I'd give it a five, like a strong five, almost a six, but it was, I mean, the, the script was a mess Gringo, but uh, there were some, you know, all around solid performances, but it wasn't a great movie, but uh, I still enjoyed it nonetheless. So yeah, those are the movies that uh, I saw this week. I honestly could not tell you what's coming out next week. Uh, I'm hoping there's at least one or two movies I'm looking forward to because the stuff that I haven't seen in theaters looks real terrible. Uh, but, you know, I'll soldier on. I've sat through terrible movies before. I'll certainly sit through terrible movies again. Hopefully next month I'll uh, or next week I'll be able to see some movies that I'm looking forward to. So yeah, go out and go to the movies.